Hello and good evening and welcome to this very, very exciting episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. I am coming to you live from two time zones slightly closer to my other comrades. There we go. There we go. Yes, I'm central time zone. So so I'll be up nearly as late as you guys for once. Uh, and then this is also very exciting because we are doing the Baron and Luthien finale. What's that? That's Let's it. see we've... if we can land this thing, guys. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been focusing on the overall plot shape, making sure that we're kind of thinking through the events of Baron and Luthien and mapping out how that's going to work in a 13-episode season. We're almost done with that. There's only one small thing we haven't yet figured out, and that's the final episode. Um, yeah. Because, of course, the end of the story of Baron and Luthien is a little bit odd, right? In, in, in almost every version, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit strange. Um, not only because, of course, the great climax of the story is the song before Mendos and then, you know, Luthien's decision, right? Um, and in some ways, it would seem that the end of the story, like it, would, it, would, it would seem logical, right, for... You know, Luthien to decide to embrace mortality, and then she and Baron shuffle off the mortal coil, right? I mean, they both already died anyway, right? So it's just a question of the, 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 you know, what, where their spirits end up at that point, right? But no, like they go back, right? They go back, and then what? And what happens, right? Um, and they don't go back and do anything heroic, right? They don't go back and, accomplish much and it's not that they're totally uninvolved of course we get Baron being involved in the battle with the dwarves later on they're not wholly but that's much later like way way late multiple seasons later right so how do we handle this last episode how do we bring this story the the arc of this season the arc of the Baron and Luthien story itself um uh to a really satisfying conclusion um, so that's what we're um, going to try to figure out here tonight. Uh, first, a couple quick announcements. Uh, events coming up. Our uh, events for the year are uh, filling, are for, for this fall are filling up. Uh, really excited about upcoming conferences. MythMoot is happening, of course, June 23rd to 26th in Leesburg, Virginia. Uh, going to be at the Dulles Airport in Marriott. Um, we've been relocated this year. That's our official venue. Um, should be even easier to get to for folks flying in, of course. It's right there in the airport. Um, uh, so MythMoot is always awesome. Uh, do act now because we're going to have to close down in-person registration uh, sooner than we normally would. So there's still several weeks, but uh, sooner rather, don't wait until the last minute, or it might actually be too late. Um, and then our upcoming regional moots. The fall calendar uh, is beginning to, starting in July, which is not exactly fall. But anyway, it's at post-Mythmoot. Mythmoot is the beginning, you know, is the, the, the dividing point of our moot year. So um, our first post-Mythmoot regional moot uh, is Buckeye Moot in Ohio. This is a brand new one. We've never done Ohio before. People have been asking for an Ohio moot for a long time. Uh, so we're going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio on July 30th uh, doing uh, Buckeye Moot there. Middle Moot is going to be happening on October 8th in Kansas City, Missouri. 
that's like uh, Middlemoot 6, I think. Um, we've been doing Middlemoot for a really long time. Uh, SoCalMoot, this will be SoCalMoot number three. Um, we're moving a little further south this year, Dave. We're going down to Carlsbad, California, just north of San Diego. So we're, we're having our first... That is a beautiful non- area. It is a beautiful area. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's going to be our first SoCalMoot not in L.A. So we're, uh, we're kind of expanding a little bit around uh, Southern California, which will be fun. I will be there. Yeah, awesome, awesome, and uh, and then Osmoot in Australia on January twenty seventh to to twenty ninth. Uh, we're doing a kind of a bigger thing down in Australia um, at the University of Queensland. So uh, going to be really. I can't wait for our first uh, uh, Southern Hemisphere moot uh, here, and actually uh, beginning to uh, discuss the possibilities of a second Southern Hemisphere moot, um, maybe mm. next. July. Uh, we're looking at Brazil uh, in next July. So uh, connect with the Tolkien fans down there. Uh, so anyway, that lots of fun. But also, we have two other moots which are not yet officially confirmed. SoCal moot that, uh, sorry, Middle moot. The date is officially confirmed, but Buckeye moot, SoCal moot, and Oz moot are all open. The registration's open already for all three of those. Uh, Mountain moot and New England moot are also in preparation. Um, uh, we're we're looking at September twenty fourth for Denver, Colorado, for Mountain Moot, and then October 22nd, back up here in New Hampshire near me, uh, for New England Moot. Um, so those two are not wholly confirmed yet, but uh, but probable, uh, just to so that people know what is brewing. And then a little bit more distantly, um, we're definitely planning on Sunshine Moot in Florida again, probably next March. And then we're looking at, uh, we're hoping to get Magnolia Moot in the Southeast back together again. Uh, we are working on a Europe Moot for next year. Hopefully, probably Sweden is what we're looking at. Sweden or Germany. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out which venue we can get set. But um, uh, anyway, so really awesome uh so it's going to be an exciting year of moots coming up so we definitely wanted to make sure that people knew what was coming here in our events calendar um now the map of beleriand the traditional the now traditional transition slide um okay so I want to do a quick review because for those who are following live, it's been a long time um, of where we go. I want to, I'll come back to the prose one or maybe refer back to it. I want to start with the pictorial one um, uh, going through, especially since the pictorial one now features Huan (laughs) running through the entire outline, which is pretty awesome. So, um, uh, so what, this is the, the, the first three episodes, right? So just a quick summary. Episode one, we establish the outlaws in Dorthonian, right? We establish Sauron learning necromancy. That's kind of the heart of that first episode is the necromancy stuff and the capturing of Tol Sirian. Um, and then we're going to get, um, we get the reference to the Nauglamir. We get uh, Kelgorm and Kurafin setting out for Beleriand, heading towards um, uh, uh, Nargothrond. And of course we establish establish or reestablish Luthien's awesomeness. Episode two, um, death of the outlaws, Baron being, an, you know, doing his thing, being an outlaw, um, and, uh, the, the death of the rest of the outlaws, the Gorlim incident and everything. And we have Thorin Gwethel, uh, kind of masterminding that, uh, masterminding that on, uh, on, on Sauron's instructions. Kelgorm and Kurafin arrive triumphantly at Nargothrond, uh, Luthien being more awesome. Episode three, 
um, is Baron traveling. Uh, you know, you know. Boy, that seems like a really, really underselling uh, Baron's journey. He's, you know, he's tra- he, Baron's in transit, you know, between Durthonia and Endoriath, uh, and uh, and then we get, of course, Kelgorm and Kurifin in in uh, Nargothrond, and um, and then so Baron is the focus of most of that episode. Then episode four. The big Tenuviel Doriath bottle episode, right? Starting with Tenuviel, Tenuviel, and ending uh, with uh, uh, Baron being kicked out, <laughs> right, of Doriath, or leaving Doriath in any case, right? Okay, so then we, that's a kind of a transitional moment, right, in the narrative, the end of like the early phase and into the heart uh, of the season. Episode five. We've got Baron going to Nargothrond, Luthien imprisoned in the treehouse, uh, Finrod and Baron setting out, right? Um, and then we have episode six. Uh, we've got the capture of Baron and Finrod by Sauron. Um, we've got Luthien being put under house arrest in Nargothrond. And as I'm recalling, we had her leaving at the end of that episode, right? Her escape with Huon at the end of that episode. Uh, we get the song duel, of course, with Sauron there. Um, and uh, then episode seven, another re- this, uh, the really kind of central pivotal episode again, right? Um, and that is the uh, Tulsirian, the Tolingarhoth the, 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 uh, um, episode <clears throat> where... Luthien and Huon arrive at the tower. Um, Baron is threatened to be eaten. Finrod saves his life and at sacrificing his own. Uh, the confrontation between Luthien and Sauron and Hurin, and we talked a lot about dogfighting and various things in this context. Working out that I really love the uh, Luthien-Sauron confrontation that we, uh, you know, uh, ideas that we came up with from there. And then ending, of course, with the destruction of the tower and the escape, the death of Thorin Gwethel and the escape of Sauron. So episode seven, huge uh, episode. Then we have, again, two... I really like how we have these major episodes and then usually a couple of sort of lighter weight episodes in between where important things happen, but it's kind of developing action. And then another big climax, right? We've got the, the introduction building up to the big climax of the meeting of Baron and Luthien, and then their travels and uh, tribulations leading up to their reunion and the confrontation with Sauron in episode seven, right? Then we have the two more episodes, eight and nine um, of Baron and Luthien together, after the destruction of the tower, right? So we've got the the uh, confrontation with Caligorm and Kurafin and the Leap of Baron there in episode eight, and um, lots of healing going on, the healing of Baron Huan helping out, um, and then, uh, um, yeah, some other stuff, remembering when Glaurong is supposed to be on the move here uh, in episode eight. And then episode nine, the Baron's leaving... Luthien and then reuniting with Luthien and they're disguising themselves, right, uh, as Dragluin and Thurin Gwethel, um, and deciding to head back off again. And this is where we inserted Dairon's, um big moment, right, where he's setting out to find Luthien and encounters the eagles, um, uh, which, of course, we made up because we wanted to make up a new story for, well, an actual story for Dairon, other than a lack of story for Dairon, which is what we get in the text. Um, and then episode 10, the next big episode, right? Um, the Angband 
moment, right? The arrival in Angband, the confrontation with Morgoth, the cutting the Silmaril from the Iron Crown, right? Uh, the Karkaroth biting off Baron's hand and the eagles coming and sweeping them away at the end of that episode, right? So another huge, momentous, action-packed uh, thing. Now here, this is the first time that we get two of those pretty big episodes in a row, right? In fact, really compounding our problem with episode 13, we get three big episodes in a row, right? We get the we get the Angband episode, the actual cutting of the Silmaril from Morgoth's crown episode, right? Followed by the hunt for the wolf, the death of Huan, the death of Baron, right? In the next, and the marriage, by the way, right? Luthien and Baron get married um, and then die. And Huan dies and, you know, lots of stuff there in episode 11. And then episode 12, the next episode, is the song in Mandos, right? The, uh, you know, which is the big... You know the big culmination, really the the the, the greatest sort of triumph um, of uh, of the entire season, and then episode thirteen, in which nothing happens <laughs> exactly, in which they're resurrected and move to the woods and um. Elves are, elves are sad. Elves are sad. Yeah. And Thingol gets better. Right? So this is the challenge. This is the challenge that we're kind of confronting here this evening. Like I, I'm 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 loving the flow of the season. I'm really happy, both with how we've managed to fit the narrative. Uh, you know, the, the primary narrative from the text into this shape. Um, it seems to go into this shape really well. You know, there have been a bunch of times along the way when I've been really excited about the opportunities for, um, uh, you know, uh, foreshadowing and payoff and and, uh, uh, and how this idea, especially the idea of the... Um, uh, of the... Rugis from bondage, right? Um, how, you know, we've been how we've been building that uh, theme throughout the season. Um, all that stuff has been really great. Now, <laughs> now what? Now what? So, Nick, as I recall, when uh, we last left, which in real time was a month ago, um, you were uh, uh, simmering, uh, waiting to uh, uh, unleash. A theory that you thought I wouldn't like. So, uh, well, yeah, that's right. This is real quick. <laughs> See, now I know how you guys feel because, like, I don't remember exactly what that was. Exactly. It's very hard. <laughs> that's tough. Um, I can tell you that everything that we've got listed for episode 13, like, it's all denouement, which, mm-hmm. like, it's really denouement for episode 12. Like, no. That's... Oh, wait, you mean episode 13 is the denouement of episode 12? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> agree. Uh, I pronounce denouement correctly now because of, um, of Brian, who's Ozaro in okay. the uh, chat. I, you know, he, he corrected me on that a million years ago. And so now <laughs> I say that correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I agree. It is. It, like the, the, <laughs> After death, um, 
within the frame of this story. That is not counting the fall of Doriath story and the way that they get involved again further down the road. Um, there's 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 no narrative role for Baron and Luthien again uh, in this story. Like they they like, and they were alive again, and it was kind of awesome, but also kind of weird. And um, she is alive again, and upon seeing her alive again, the, all the elves mourn. <laughs> I mean, it's not only denouement, it's kind of counterintuitive denouement in some way, right? Uh, because the impulse, right? The impulse is to say, like, happy ending! Oh my goodness! Like, happy ending when it did not look... I mean, look, the both, to both of the protagonists died in episode 11. That looked like a happy ending was counterindicated, right? But oh my goodness, like resurrection, holy cow, here we are, episode 13, everybody's happy, everybody's happy except for everybody, right? Mm. Um, I mean, that's how the story is. The story is everybody grieving, right? Um, even Thingol is, you know, his, his he's healed, right? The winter of Thingol is healed, but it's kind of a plus minus situation as far as he's concerned, right? I mean, uh, often Lord of the Rings fans uh, will really feel for Elrond, right? Um, And, you know, careful Lord Lord of the Rings fans can feel very strongly the tragedy of Elrond's character, especially, you know, at the end of the book and his his separation from Arwen. And, um, you know, poor Elrond has been through a lot in his life. Um, He's lost everyone. 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 So yeah. for Arwen to be like, so dad. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, by the way, now, uh, just when you thought you couldn't lose anybody else, you're going to lose me more than everybody else you've lost. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's um, and so. So, again, like Lord of the Rings fans often are thinking about that and feeling compassion for Elrond. Well, so, again, Thingol healed. And yet, whoa, in, he finds himself in the Elrond position there at the end. Right. So, um, you know, not a happy ending from Thingol's point of view, not a happy ending from any of the elves point of view. So not only do we have 100 percent denouement. Right. But we have really emotionally conflicted denouement. Right. We have the miraculous happy ending that almost nobody's happy about at the end. So how do we make this into a satisfying final episode? That's the question. It would That's help if I unmuted myself. Um, okay, there we go. There we go. So I, say, I thought Nick was being suspiciously quiet in response yeah. to that question. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, there's a f- like if we were going to do kind of a quiet episode, I'd rather do it in episode eleven. Um, and move the wolf hunt up to episode twelve and move. Mandos, the confrontation in Mandos up to episode 13. Um, okay. And kind of revolve the uh, episode 11 story uh, around some kind of indecisiveness of where we go from here. For just a second. I thought that you were suggesting that we push we push their resurrection back to episode eleven. No, and I, no, was, no, no, no. I was con- I was briefly yeah. confused by this no, no, suggestion. No, no. no what I'm <laughs> Wait, saying is, I that- know. Let's have them resurrected from the dead before they die. That will be so much better. Yeah. Okay. Or- no, right. Okay. I'm I'm tracking you now. I'm tracking yeah. you now. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so you basically or, want to split episode eleven into two episodes, and right. combine what we have here from thirteen into twelve. Essentially. Yes. Yes. Right. Um. To give, to make the the tension of episode eleven be it, like if I have to choose between having the a weaker tension be in episode eleven or episode thirteen. I'm going to choose episode 11, right? It makes sense. Um, it makes sense. Um, I would also say, again, seeing what I was pointing out before, episode 10, episode 11, episode 12, uh, it's, it's it's kind of breathless. It is. Um, so I, 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 I could certainly understand for narrative pacing purposes why we might want a bit of a breather there. Um, I guess I would also add to that spending a little bit more time on the wedding might not be amiss, right? Let's not uh, shoehorn the wedding of Baron and Luthien into five minutes in the middle of, you know, sandwiched between two action sequences or whatever, right? I mean, that might be nice. Yeah. Yep. I, I know I know. every time I've ever tried to brush past a wedding, I've gotten yelled at, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, and this one. As if I'm someone who actually is interested in or plans weddings. <laughs> I am not. You have been a driving force, not one, not the entire driving force, but you have definitely played a role. When, like for it years, I'll be like, stories? so sure. they have a they have a wedding, and we know what weddings look like, and everybody's like, no, 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 hang on. Um, right. I believe you said that in season one when we were talking about the yes. wedding of Tulkus and Nessa. Oh, yes. yeah. So you know, for us to establish what ever. the first wedding ever in this world looks like <laughs> seemed like maybe it was something we should discuss. <laughs> right, right. But it was exactly. uh, it was a Karita who provided a lot of the details with that, I believe. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, Karita should totally put planned the wedding of Tulkus and Nessa on her resume, right? Um, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, no, I can get into this. I mean, and especially not just thinking objectively in terms of, like, two really intense episodes in a row, maybe we put one in between, but thinking what they are, right? Like, we come, we just come back from Angband, right? Um, pausing for a moment to reflect on, holy cow, they just seized a Silmaril from Morgoth's crown seems like a place to pause for breath and realize that that's a really big deal. Yeah, so the the reason it's currently broken up the way it is on the slide is that you were initially quite adamant that it would not be fair to have Luthien's song and Mandos happen, and then 10 minutes later, the season's over, right? That we would quickly have her come back, heal Thingle, they show up in a nice little idyllic island in Osirian, and we're done here, moving right. on. We do longish, have to be careful about that. So that we was what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. yeah. But a, a longish denouement in the season finale is not unheard of. That's right. Well, definitely my a question, thing that's done. Right. Well, my question is, basically, can we tell the story? Can we end the story with that uncertainty and that, wait, is this a win element if we really do have her successful in Mandos and then just come back and her, her dad's better and then she and her resurrected husband are off in an idyllic location to live out their lives like it's gonna feel very successful right. if that's all happening in the last 10 minutes whereas if we have a whole episode we could introduce things that were like oh this might not be so good mm. so 
the question is how to handle that balance. And yeah. I'm not saying that we can't do it. I mean, I'm mm. sure we can do whatever, but yeah, but that's the, that's the, the temptation would be to make episode 13 a resounding success and the culmination of Luthien's story oh, is that no, she no, won no. and she did win. And from the elves perspective, she won. She beat the rule about elves are bound to Arda. Yeah. She's like, rewrite that rule for me, please. Yeah. 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 It's and Aver does. <laughs> right. And and, no and that's and that's one of the reasons why I think an extended denouement would work well for episode thirteen, where you know, we still have the you know, the encounter in Mandos is still the climax of the episode, right? Right. But we just wait the episode in such a way that we're going to be spending, you know, another. Basically, you, you, we make our act four like five, se- five to six scenes long, essentially, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which is heavy on the tail end of the episode, right? We're stealing scenes from earlier in the episode and putting them at the back. Um, but again, we're we're doing a few things because we need to. We definitely need to set up the de- the um, near knife. It's coming, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> like there's stuff, there's work to do, and you know, and so and some <laughs> of some of that work can happen while they're dead in Mandos, but not all of it. Yeah. Well, so we like, need something if, if, that if, the if audience the climax... is going to be like. Oh my goodness! Something big is gonna happen, right? You right, know, like... right, exactly, and that's gonna be towards the end. Yeah. Um, it's also possible to make her healing of Thingle the climax of the episode, so that her encounter with Mandos is somewhere in Act Three. Like, so it's not the climb; it's a big deal, but it's not necessarily the climax. Yeah, I would think it would be. I mean, it really would be part of the denouement. I would think, uh, you know, maybe the the kind of, I don't know, transitional moment even. Right. Um, like I could imagine, for instance, we, you know, we, we thinking of like the actual cinematography for a second. Right. You know, we ha- we were showing her in front of Mandos, right? however that's handled. Right. Her, her, her and Namo. And then she makes her choice. Right. And there's a fade out and the first fade back in like the, f- like the first we see of either of them resurrected. Right is her coming back, you know, and laying her hands on Thingol's head, right? Um, so we mm-hmm. see her her returning in. That's yeah. like that's how we introduce her return to the mortal world and communicate <clears throat> that she has returned. And then Baron walks in behind her, you know. Um, and uh, so I basically I, I could see that in that way as it would be almost kind of pairing the the healing of Thingol with the, you know, the the resolution of the of the scene yeah definitely pairing it with with the resurrection um but um yeah philip says he's hoping that we don't expect her song before mandos to go for 20 minutes uh no no philip i'm not expecting it to go for 20 minutes um but so hang on a second let's let's back up a little bit (laughs) let's back up a little bit then and think about episode 11 let's let's parse out episode 11 a little bit because I think right. it'll help me get back towards episode 13 if I can see how these things will fall. So, episode 11 we return to the court. So we've we, we last, you know, we closed with eagles, right? Maybe a glimpse of Gondolin beneath or something. Or maybe we start with a glimpse of Gondolin beneath. Like we, you know, return in Medeus 
eagle flight, right? Um, at the beginning of the episode, I don't know. Um, or maybe we just have somebody, you know. I, um, I think we were going to have the eagles drop them off on the borders of Doriath at the end of the episode. Okay. But okay, we can redo that if we need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I guess I'm thinking, hmm. All right, hang on a second. The glimpse of Gondolin. Where does that go? So I guess, to me, the real conclusion of the action of episode 10 is they them escaping, right? Like, the departure with the eagles. So mm-hmm. I would be more inclined to say, like, eagles bearing Baron and Luthien, fading into the distance, end of episode 10. Arrival at Doriath, beginning of episode 11, rather than end of episode 10. Um, sure. And so, I you know, like... That. Yeah. They, but I don't know where to put the Gondolin glimpse in there exactly. Maybe opening scene of episode eleven or something. You know, right? Where yeah. we uh, actually that'd be kind of fun. We've had yeah. we've if, had a f- if we're going to cut it like that, I, I would like to put it at the beginning of the episode yeah. to because to, to, usually you put stuff like that at the very end. Yeah. So yeah. it would be an interesting place to put it. Besides, I I, I just had a fun idea. Uh, we can make a really cool internal reference that is film film internal reference uh, to season four, four. I think it was season four. Um, uh, the Thoringwethel fly over uh, uh, camera angle scene, right? So we start episode 11 with a flyover camera angle scene, right? Um, uh, like we did with Thoringwethel, right? And we see Gondolin flying down below and then we come in. But of course, it's Luthien's perspective instead of Thoringwethel's, which is a joke because of dressing up as throwing Grethel, right? Um, mm-hmm. Little, okay. little, little humor. And then we land and, but not, no, not humor in a way that makes it funny, but like a little inside yeah, joke. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then we land in like maybe Maglor uh, uh, or somebody finds them, not Maglor. Mablung. Mablung, think, whose yeah. names I always get confused when I'm speaking quickly. Mablung, or, or, you know, Belog or Mablung. I'm, 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 I'm kind of picturing Mablung carrying the body of the of or like helping Baron in, he's going to be still in a bad way, right? Um, when he comes yeah. into the hall before Thingol. Um, okay, so that that's the beginning. You might be getting you might be getting to Thingol's court a little too quick there, because then what's the tension? Like, what do we? Yeah. So what's the question? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's probably a question of whether or not they're allowed into Doriath in the first place, and right. if it's up to Mablong, he's going to be like, "Yes, come in. We would like yes, you to come home right, right now." Yes, right. Um, but <laughs> um, I know that there's and, been. But then I was just going to say, and then maybe some time spent to get Baron's hand um, taken care of before mm. his court audience. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so he's not like actively dripping. Right, exactly. When he holds his stump out, you know, it should be dramatic, not, uh, yeah. but not yeah. quite arterial bleed levels yes. of drama. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, alternatively, Rob Harding has been really, really interested in meet, in having them uh, meet Emil Deer. And I'm wondering if, and we've right. talked about the possibility of having that happen earlier in the season, but this may not be a terrible time to do that, actually, because if they land in Brethel, which is a place that they're safe and they know that they can go to Brethel, right? They can meet Emil Deer, they, you know, Baron can heal up and they can decide whether, where are they going? 
now that they're safe, they're out of Rafemang Band, they're they're outside of the sphere of influence influence of Morgoth, they could go anywhere in the world. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> now, so uh, positive and negative. The positive is I can see, I can see what you're doing here. How you're wanting to make the appearance before Thingol, not the opening act of this, but the climax of this episode not huh? necessarily the climax but the but but it's a decision right yeah it's Instead the dramatic just, turn it's it not happens. a it's not a foregone conclusion that's right. where we're going exactly that's where the tension of this episode lies is right you know what is thingle gonna do what is he gonna say exactly mm-hmm. so we would build up to meeting with him and then right. his acceptance wouldn't seem like a foregone conclusion either Right. Yes. I, uh, so I, I, I can see that that structure makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the downside, uh, which we just need to find a way around is that it sounds potentially like a great deal of rehashing what happened back in episode nine. Was it? Yeah. Nine. Um, the, like they decided they were going to follow through on the whole oath thing. Right. Mm, um, yeah. So on the one hand, they're done. Right. They did, in fact, get the Silmaril. But the quest isn't finished until, um, you know, he brings it to the father-in-law. So um, to kind of introduce that. But they don't, point though. Again, well, they can't. Right. I, I, you right. Know, so. Right. But again, it's it's it seems like potentially very similar things are at stake in episode nine and episode 11. Therefore, mm. and it, again, it wasn't even that long ago. It was just two episodes ago, right? right? So fair. we would need to find a way to make sure that the mm. any decisions they were making were sufficiently far, far enough down the road that it doesn't sound like a, a rehash of that. But yeah, we're also in the same place both times because episode nine takes place more or less in Dimbar, which can right. be in Brethel as well. Right. This is yeah. in Dimbar, which could also be in Brethel. Yeah. So if we're right. visiting Brethel, we could do it in either episode. Or both, but both might be a little bit redundant. So the yeah. question would be, what are we gaining from having interaction with humans in our story? Because right. these are the only humans after after the outlaws die, the only humans we would potentially interact with is the people of Brethel. Right. So if we want to bring them in, do they make sense in 11? Or do we well, want to keep it in 9? Let's go with... Um, let's go with... Let's go back to um, Mom. Right, let's go back mm-hmm. to ML Deer. Um because potentially, as long as we have a you know, a good story there, that's that that's a reason, right? That 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 that's not you know, it's not just a random stopover, right? Mm-hmm. Um Baron's re- reunion with his mom would be interesting, right? Um, and I think she should totally be rocking um Narsil. Ah, okay. Well, Andreth is still alive at this point. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> and even if she is, why? What? What does she need Narsil for? Okay, I mean, she doesn't necessarily need it. I'm just saying the last per- the last time we saw Narsil. Uh-huh. Let me back up a few steps. <laughs> right. The last time we saw these people, Andreth had Narsil. Mm-hmm. Emil Deer was with Andreth, mm-hmm. and they were all going to the forest of Brethel. Right. We can obviously have had things change since then. It's been years. Mm-hmm. It's been years, yeah. But not and, a lot of and years. And was taking the active leadership role, right? He was. 
And some of these people are going to be headed to Dorloman rather than sticking around in the forest of Brethel because we know right. that Ran and Morwen have to end up in Dorloman. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. one or the other of them wanted to continue the journey on, they could be making that decision. Emil Deer mm. would probably be the leader that would go with that group potentially. Mm. She could right. be. As the right. person who is most likely to not break a hip while traveling. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, Andreth is not 94 in our version. So I know, but yeah. I'm just but saying, she's still she's, pretty old, right? I mean, how she's old up is she there. She's probably in her seventies now. Seventies? No, seventies okay. is. I know. I know. My parents are still at seventy, risk. but I know. <laughs> I'm okay. just, and they still travel. On on foot through the forest for <laughs> yeah. hundreds of miles. Maybe not hundreds of miles, but yeah, like. I'll, I'll show I'll show you some video of what my, it's, it's what my okay. dad does I, I for like you, the, like... I was bored and didn't have anything to do, so I just you know cleared the forest next to my house for no reason. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yep. he's yep. seventy. So yeah, I, I'm having trouble believing Andreth is helpless. Is where I'm going with this. But I she, say, but she probably is settled in Brethel, probably still alive. If we don't want her to be alive, we can kill her off. But she's probably there. If Baron and Luthien walk in and Andreth is alive, that's probably something we have to deal with. It's a big deal. That's a mm. big deal. I mean, Andreth is a huge character. Um, on the one hand, is she too big of a character? Um, is she too big of a character to just, to just kill off off drop. screen? Like, oh, right. P.S. She died since last we saw. It. Don't worry about it. Right? Like that's yeah. Oh, there was a, there was an illness last winter. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a shame about Andreth. Right? Yeah. Um, Probably also don't want to kill her here. No, yeah, exactly. She's got to either mm. live or be already dead. And already, but if she's alive, so if she's already if she's already dead, that feels cowardly uh, on our part. I mean, not on hers. And if she uh, is still alive, Dare she's she? got to. I know, seriously. Uh, but if she if she's still alive, then we've got to deal with that because she's going to be a major part of this conversation. And we've got to think through that, right? What is a what is why, a post? Why is she? Why was her Andrew? being around so disruptive here? Well, just because she's a major character, like we've got to give her, we've got to, we've got to give her a perspective. And I mean, like, I feel like we need to have like Andreth editorializing on the Baron and Luthien situation, which, as somebody uh, yeah, with her background, right? I mean, like, it's. This is going to, she is going to see, there's nobody on in Beleriand who's going to understand better than Andreth what a big honking deal Baron and Luthien's relationship actually, is. No, right? this sounds like a great scene, actually. I, it, I don't, it kind of I don't know about you guys, but it I'm kind of loving this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, so we have two characters in Brethel, Emeldir and Andreth, both potentially very important to Baron and Luthien. So, the question would be who meets up with who and why and what their take is. And if we do it in episode nine, it would be in the cautionary tale sense of someone would be pulling Baron aside and being like, Hey, right. Maybe don't with the elf princess. (laughs) Um, I feel like at this point, it's maybe a little late for that conversation. Like he's already missing a hand. Yeah. 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 It's um, it's a, he's, he's committed and everyone would see that. Um, Right. So, uh, the, so the question is, where are we trying to go? If we... sorry, sorry, hang on. I'm just, I just realizing the irony, right? Remember what is the, and I know Brian will remember very well. What is that tear jerking climactic image in 
the Athrobeth, right in the conversation between Finrod and Andreth, the hands reaching to each other across the abyss, right? And the, and here's Baron in his stump. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's that. Uh, you know, Andreth has got to have things to say about that, right? She's got to have things because on the one hand, they've done it, right? They're living the dream. They have reached across the abyss. She would be encouraged by this. Um, how long has it been? How how long has it been since uh, since Agnor died? About seven years. Seven years. Okay, so it's been it's it's, it's been years. It's been years. Okay. Um, great. Okay. So I mean, that's so she'll be. Well, I mean, I'm not saying she's over it and doesn't care, but it's not like it. You know, was the week before last, right? You know. So okay. All right. Fine. Seven years. That's great. Um, so. Uh, anyway, so she, she, on the one hand, again, like they have successfully reached out to each other across the abyss, and what happened? He loses his hand, right? So it is both at the same time a cautionary, like a, a miraculous success, and a cautionary tale, right? Also, that's only the latest bad thing to happen to him. <laughs> true, <laughs> true, true. Um, um, it's so also another issue. Baron's not like. Baron's not exactly in the ideal state for a, a really great um, dialogue here. Right. There's a lot of <laughs> Right. Yeah. So that's if we wanted if we wanted people talking to Baron, episode nine might be better because he's the one making a decision there. And it's before he does the I'm committed to the quest thing and I'm gonna leave Luthien behind. So it's you know, that matters. Okay, so I'm I'm not like in episode nine. The reason right. I'm not liking episode nine is that I, I would rather episode nine be just Baron Luthien and the dog, right? I think th- there are enough characters. That I think that with the three of them, it's en- that's what it's about. Whereas here, we have a very logical division, right? Um, in the sense that... Because... So, uh, okay, right, right. They arrive at Brethil. Baron is wounded, Right. Baron is injured and he needs medical assistance. So Baron is going to get tended to. Um, it, it creates a very logical and easy situation, therefore, for Andreth to be having her conversation with Luthien, not with Baron, but with Luthien. Oh, there you go. You got it has the conversation with Baron. Like, but like, who's going to show up at Baron's bedside, right? As he's recovering from his nigh mortal wound. Uh, but his mom, right? He wakes up and, oh my goodness, there's mom whom I haven't seen for you, you know, for a long time, right? And thought might be dead or whatever, right? Oh, P.S. Uh, about dad, right? I mean, it's gonna, it's an important conversation, right? Um, and if our frame, which we have yet to talk about, has any of the relationship between Gilrein and Gilrein Aragorn. And Aragorn. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. We're pre-set up for this conversation. And so, so, and by the way, but so here's the other thing. Not only does that work out really well, right, and enable us to have these couple different conversations fairly conveniently, but it's not about decisions. Right? It's not about relationship decisions, right? What needs to be happening here is setting up what's to come, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now is the time to talk about death. So fortunately, mm-hmm. we have Andreth on hand, okay. right, who is an expert on mortality I, I was kinda, uh, and all of this. I was wondering what conversation you were thinking, because I, I think you're right. Like, 
I don't think Andrith and Luthien are going to have a, like, what is she going to, is she going to tell Luthien to like leave Baron alone? Like, I think that decision is made. Um, yep. uh, and, and, and relitigating that now robs the prior decisions of their, of their import and their weight. But I think you're right. I think the conversation to have now is what comes next. What comes like, next? Andrith kind of at, like Andrith asking, like, you know, if you thought much about the fact that Baron's going to die. And if meanwhile, not, oh, yeah. Then eventually, yes. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the other room, Baron and his mom are confronting mortality. They're talking about the death of his father, right? And, and like, the, and, you know, they, they don't know what's going to happen, right? And, uh, you know, so Baron can have a sense that, like, you know, yes, like we got the Silmaril, but we, but the quest isn't over, right? Um, on the one hand, the good news is the Silmaril is no longer in the crown of Morgoth. The bad news is it's now in the belly of giant monster mega wolf, right? So uh, who knows where, right? So um, okay, so there's still there's still work uh, to be done, and I can't believe I survived this long, and I'm probably not going to survive. I mean, I, they, they have plenty of reasons to be thinking about his mortality. So, Dave, yeah, we can make those play off each other really well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Andreth could be having this like quasi theoretical discussion about mortality and elves, and uh, because surely she's going to be fascinated, right? She's going to be fascinated with like. Let me talk to the elf who is not thinking like Ignored was thinking, right? I wonder, like, what is going through her elvish head right now, um, and how it how does it differ from what I got from Ignor, what I heard from Finrod, right? Um, you know, she needs to follow this up and have like, you know, the Athrabeth of Luthien and and Andreth there, right? Meanwhile, in the other room, um, the reality of human mortality is. Uh, you know, uh, being we're confronting the reality of human mortality as Emildir and Baron are like re-mourning the death of Barahir, right? I I am liking it much better that we're setting aside time to talk about death than yes. setting aside time for like more screen time for their wedding. Um, <laughs> right. Which, so which I think it, is still important, but yeah. Right. Yeah. We're going to put the wedding in there. It's going to happen on screen. It's just, it, yeah, yeah, it happens. It doesn't necessarily take a whole episode. So right. this, this I think is more meaningful and hopefully accomplishes some of what you were hoping to see in episode 13 with the, Hey, exactly. So the, the, the great yeah, the thing that I'm loving Again. about yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the thing I'm loving about this, and actually, like Andreth has been my favorite part of, of loving this. Actually, is because um, I mean, what better person to bring this stuff to the fore than Andreth, right? Um, is uh, apart from the fact that like we get to get like at least one more awesome episode out of like you know one of my favorite like you know low key favorite first age characters. Um, but anyway, um, so. What we accomplish is instead of needing that final episode to really like help the significance sink in, we do it in advance, essentially, right? Um, we need to really be focusing episode 11 on preparing people so that when the death moment comes, right, in episode 11, right, when Baron dies, we we know, or sorry, 12, in, in, in episode, when that happens in episode 12, that's what I meant, when it happens in episode 12, then we're, we're ready for it. Like, we, we've thought about it, we know what it means, um... And then we're prepared for, uh, we're prepared for episode 13. 
in Mendoz, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, the Athrobeth of Luthien and Andreth. That's that's. Uh, and um, here's the other thing. Like, I bet you people will expect her to be really salty about this, right? Um, but I think she shouldn't be. I think she shouldn't be really salty. I think that she should be um, sort of curious, fascinated, um, but but and, and deeply moved, right? Um, in in a way, we get to get more payoff from the Athrobeth, right? From like Finrod's parting words to Andreth, right? Um, uh, all along, that was going to be fulfilled in Baron and Luthien, in part, right? I mean, like, it's... Those lines were always, in Tolkien's writing, I think, a retroactive setup of the Baron and Luthien story, right? So to actually pay it off within the Baron and Luthien story, that's pretty awesome, actually. Like, who says no to that? <laughs> so I, I think that's awesome. I'm loving this. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I, Dennis on YouTube is asking a good question. Um, we are open to the entire history of Middle Earth. Um, we have sometimes chosen uh, to integrate elements that are included in, in uh, you know, that Tolkien, you know, or pulling back to some earlier stuff, like we included Tevildo, of course, not in the same role that he's in in the Tale of Tenuvio from the Book of Lost Tales. But, um, yeah, totally, totally interested in uh, including other stuff. Anyway, yeah, so, um, like the Athrobeth. <laughs> Of and of uh, Andreth and, and and Finrod, for instance. Um, okay, so yeah, that's some uh, that's some really that's some really powerful things. In the end, what we're gonna what Luthien is gonna get is a conversation with someone who has this unexpected perspective on what she's you know. Cause on the one hand, she has to know. Right. I mean, from the time of her imprisonment, it's been an issue, right? Her, her, you know, her parents have been talking to her about this <laughs> since before they locked her in the treehouse, right? About like, what are you doing? Like, you know, think this through. This is not okay, right? This is, um, and now she has the opportunity to talk to somebody unexpectedly who's actually been through it, right? Who has yeah. thought through this and worked through this whole situation, um, uh, and I think that that's some, um, that's some fascinating, uh, some fascinating opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We do at some point have to figure out how Galadriel and Kelleborn fit into the end of this season. Um, cause it would be a little weird if they don't at least show their faces at some point in these last three episodes. <sighs> I was assuming that they could just kind of open up a little in-law suite, uh, okay. you know, in their uh, Assyrian hideaway, uh, you know, for Baron and Luthien to live in as a transitional <clears throat> landing spot, you know, mm. before they get their own place. Um, I'm kind of joking, but kind of not. That is to mm. say, like, them meeting in Assyrian after the return is and, – and with – Kelborn and Galadriel as kind of hosts. I mean, mm. so it's I'm speaking whimsically, but I mean it <laughs> as far as that being their role. Right, right. So, I mean, they could be invited to the wedding as well. So, if we wanted them to appear in episode mm. eleven, that could yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it would be a little less weird to have them show up there, like 
because if you only see them in like the last few minutes of episode 13 it's right. gonna so, be again yeah. set it up at 11 yep. and then 13 will work yep <laughs> yeah. yep okay. well, yeah. now that we're squeezing my original episode 11 into five minutes then yes i agree with you but uh uh yes yes uh um uh, I would have been featuring them much more heavily in episode 13, the original uh, boring episode 13, but, uh, but I agree. It's fine. Episode. Okay, we can bring them in. So episode 11. Um, but to, um, to touch on the whole Assyrian thing, like I agree that Galadriel and Caliborn are there and they're yeah. friends with Luthien. Why wouldn't yeah. they be yeah. involved in yeah. helping Something. them pick yeah. out Tolgallon? Um, what about Dior? Are Celeborn and Galadriel connected to Dior in some way? Are we going to try and set anything up with that? Is Dior going to be born in this season? It sounds like if we're doing a real quick end of the season thing, I, we're, we're not going to have time. Yeah, we're not going to have time. For, would, yeah, we're not going to have time for Dior. I mean, the only, I mean, honestly, I can't possibly see. I, I think the furthest we could push it, and I don't think it's a good idea, would be like showing the two of them in Assyria and with her visibly pregnant at mm. the end. Of, I mean, like, cause we're only going to get seen. We're getting shots. We're not going to even yeah. get much in the way yeah. of scenes with them in Assyria. so, um, we could give some kind of visual cue if we wanted to anchor the idea, by the way, they're going to have a kid. This might be important later. Right. So we, we yeah. could show her pregnant, but I'm not even sure that that's a good idea. We'll have opportunities to do that later. Um, I, I would say that we probably have room for, hang on, one, to three. we probably have room for like three or four scenes actually with um with Baron and Luthien specifically. We do need at least one scene probably with the Feanorians, um specifically, you know, to we wrap need that up. Crossing the we need mountains. Sauron, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um that well that that can that can happen in a in like a, a series of shots. Right. Um, but, but like I, yeah. we need scenes yeah. with dialogue. Um, um, right. You know, right. there's a few thing, other things that we need to wrap up. But that's yeah. But we we have we can spend a little time with them, and it would be okay. Um, right. Um, agreed. Um, yes. But you know, now that we're talking about compressing it, I kind of mm. want to go further. I mean, I kind of like the idea of Baron and Luthien returning and neither neither of them has a line of dialogue in the whole rest of the season after they're resurrected. Like in some ways that feels to me like it's true to the ending of the story. Like right. It's how the it, end of the story feels. You know? It feels like the 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 line about how they were they never spoke to any mortals ever again. And of course the people that we're dealing with aren't mortals, but it gives the same sensation because we're not going to tell the audience and they never spoke with mortals ever again because right like, on a pure technicality because they never happened to encounter mortals ever again. Right, that's a <laughs> right. weird <laughs> right right thing to say to somebody. But we can convey that we can we can yes. we can we can help people feel that right. Yeah, and help people feel that like they're in a different place. Right, this is not um, uh, because that seems to me a, a, a crucial element of the story. This is not just like. Hey, okay, so you're in love and you're going through all these trials together and you have dreams of being happy. Oh, but then you both die. But then you get resurrected. So back as you were right now, like, let's return to the like plan A of being, you know, continuing to pursue the plan A. Let's be happy together. Right. And that's not the ending of this story. 
at the ending of the story is definitely not what's continuing plan A, right? Um, so I like there being that kind of a break. No, I'm not saying they don't be happy, right? Or we have to show them being miserable or anything. But just again, to if if it feels if them and their interactions and their relationship feels just like it did in episode at the end of episode nine or something, then I don't think we've done it right in episode thirteen. So, how would you feel about the scene where Luthien heals Thingol's Winter, being silent with no dialogue? I like it. I think it could be done, um, especially since uh, we're obviously going to have a really powerful and effective score um, that I think Phil handles the winter of Thingol by himself. Basically, who needs dialogue when we have Phil composing the song of the healing of Thingol's winter? Right. Um, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Um, uh, but um, uh, I'm kind of joking, but I'm totally not joking <laughs> about that. Right. No, yeah, I mean, seriously, will, uh... I, I think that could be really powerful. Uh, like yeah. the, the combination of the visual image of, you know, we, we show Thingle and we show him in parallel. Right. Like he's seated on his throne, just like we can we can make a visual parallel to how he was in power and arrogance and overconfidence in in episode four. Right. When he's, you know, decreeing his doom to Baron and we show him in the same place and from the same angle. Right. With similar. But we show him stooped and not exactly like movie Theoden like. But but, you know, kind of in that in that direction. Right. And then we have Luthien, you know, coming up and healing him. We've set up her healing influence earlier on. Right. And then but of course, it's going to be a really poignant moment because on the one hand, the winter of Thingol is going to be healed. And yet he is going to see that he's lost her, in fact, right? Um, so, like, good news and bad news, I'm alive, but P.S. about that, right? So, Not for long. Um, right. And, and that, I think, would be so much more powerful to, to convey nonverbally. That whole exchange, I think, would be better. Now, I mean, what lines could live up to that, you know, emotional? It's possible, but I, I, think, it, I, I, I think it would be really cool to do it nonverbally. So, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, again, I don't want you to think I'm like trying to institute a mandate that says they can't speak, I, but I do think it could work. I do think it could work. I don't think it's yeah. an obstacle. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I, I think if we're trying to keep this very epic level of like, this is a resurrection, yeah. then anything mundane afterwards, like the, Hey, Celeborn and Galadriel give you guys a tour of a Syrian thing. <laughs> right. Like, right. obviously we can't, actually do that scene even if it totally right. happens because right. it would bring things so far back down to the wrong level Absolutely. even if they're going yeah. wait you guys are immortal now <laughs> like that doesn't right. really right. Yeah, convey a reunion between Goadriel and Luthien with some with like joy but recognition of what's happened I mean yeah. remember the note the dominant note at the end of the Silmarillion, the published Silmarillion Baron and Luthien story is grief, right? And thus they lost her whom they most loved. That's the end of the Luthien story. It's, well, it's, the, it's the Elvish perspective ending, right? Um, and it's not like that's the only thing that we have to try to capture there at the end, but we would be doing a disservice not to capture that at all. And I think our greatest angles on that are Thingol and Melian and Galadriel, basically. Um, and of course, Melian's reaction as well as as um, yeah. Vibes twenty seven four pointed out. Um, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. and if we wanted to be a little bit subtle with some things, like Luthien can look like a woman in her early thirties versus a 
woman, a 20 year old woman, which is probably what she looks like at the beginning of the season, you know, like 20 minutes, five minutes ago. She's right? visually aged. Yeah. At the end of the season. I mean, not, kind of like uh, that. well, I mean, it's not so much that she's aged. She just looks like a human who's lived. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I look pretty different from, I mean, of course my filter on the, on, you know, on zoom to, you know, <laughs> take care of that. But <laughs> Yes, the the creepy uh, yes. age, uh, anti-aging filter. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's. Um, yeah. So, by the way, uh, I, I, I'm like heaping things on on Phil here tonight, but it just occurred to me: wouldn't it be awesome to have a theme that takes Meli- the Melian theme? And the um, uh, n- the Nienna theme, and kind of melds them at her. Gr- you know, when 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 Melian turns to grief there at the end, when she's sorrowing over over Luthien, that'd be kind of awesome. Wouldn't that be kind of awesome? I think that'd be kind Bri- of awesome. Brian said that Phil needs a raise, and so I said that uh, <laughs> uh, I will grant him a a fifty percent increase. I'm going to take I, it I out think, of. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to take it out of the money that Amazon's paying me not to hate people who don't (laughs) hate rings of power yet. No, wait, the money that Amazon's paying you. Yeah. Not to to not hate hate people people who who don't hate it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yet. That's right. That's the, that's the, that's the contract they have with you. It's hard to keep these things straight. Oh yeah. Um, That's what Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but hang on, let me go back to episode 11 for a second, because I'm having an episode 11 crisis now. And that is, um, so I was initially down with the um, adding episode 11, but when it was initially proposed, what I'm picturing is basically the two major things that happen in this episode are the marriage, right, the wedding of Baron and Luthien and importantly the reconciliation with Thingol right mm. and that is the climax the turning point of Thingol's whole character arc of the entire mm. season right? right this is when this is when, when we were talking about how we're not giving him a battle right we're not we're not we're not you know having Doriath invaded and one of the reasons we said we don't need that in this season is that that's not the kind of uh, heroism. We want. We do want Thingol to have a heroic moment. This is his heroic moment, right? The heroic moment is when Baron holds up his stump uh, and says, "I have Silmaril," and Thingol has. Right, he has every reason to pull the like, you know, on a technicality. You well, not it's not even really a technicality. He does not have the Silmaril with him, right? Um, by a much slimmer technicality Baron does have the Silmaril in his hand but it's not with him um, uh, and he and I don't think Baron's going to try to lawyer that obviously um, but you didn't technically say I had to have my hand with you with me um, but uh, anyway yeah so that moment right that moment of Thingol um, when he turns and his you know so he heals his relationship with his daughter he accepts Baron he changes his whole attitude towards humans. This is a huge moment for Thingol, right? Um, a huge moment, by the way, which is going to have enormous ripples forward in the Turin Turin bar story, right? And everything else. So this is a mm-hmm. big, big deal, this moment. Um, 
big deal globally even, but in particular, big deal for his character right here. Um, and now, all of a sudden, we're squeezing, like, Athrobeth Part 2 into this episode as well, and I'm worried that Thingol's getting shoved out. Thingol is still going to be the later part of the episode. Right. So mm-hmm. he'll be the more important one. Yeah. Right. The Athrobeth Part 2 is going to be set up. Right. Right. So it's an important character moment, and definitely was worth keeping Andreth alive till this point. But it's not going to reach any kind of dramatic conclusion, right? Like, Andreth's basically going to wish Luthien well and send her on her way at the end of that conversation. Right, right. Um, yes. By the way, speaking of keeping Andreth alive, um, if we just have this conversation with Luthien and then Luthien leaves and goes off and gets married and we never see Andreth again... Um, we're still going to be killing her off off stage, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not saying she has to die on screen, but um, are we? How are we going? If this is indeed going to be, as seems really the only plausible outcome here, um, the last time we see Andreth on screen, because more time is going to pass between season six and season seven, um, I don't think she's going to make it to the to the near knife. Uh, or to the time of the near knife, I mean. Um, how are we going to... Then don't we need some sign-out from Andreth? Like some kind of indicator this is the last time we're going to see her? I have a proposal. Yeah. Uh, how about... Uh, I assume we'll, we'll have some kind of, some kind of typical uh, end-of-season montage um, uh, that will probably include at least one ominous shot of the bad things to come. Uh, but what about a nice moment where um, uh, where we see Baron and Luthien either visiting Andreth's bedside uh, or visiting her gravesite, her or something tomb? like that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would violate the "they never spoke to mortals again" part. Like, we do need to stick them out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so okay. they don't have to talk. But- Gravesite. <laughs> but the gravesite, the, the, gravesite. the gravesite thing actually, ha- because what you can do is have Emildir, you can have the, the move to um, Hithlam, right? Um, it is Hithlam they go to, right? Um, yeah, so sure she's, taking, she's taking her, um, not niece and nephew, cousin, whatever, her husband's cousins or whatever they are, Rian and Morwen, and she's going to Hithlam. Um <clears throat> And we see her, you know, put something on the grave of of Andreth to to let us know that her her story's over, right? So it's, it, it's yeah, right. So instead of showing Baron and Luthien saying farewell to Andreth, we'll see Emildir say farewell to Andreth. <clears throat> and honestly, Emildir had a lot of in, uh, like I don't know about a lot of interaction. She had some interaction with Andreth back in season five. And so it would kind of tie that relationship up as well, which would be nice. Okay. So wait a second. I think I lost a second while I was looking at the chat. How are we tying that up Andreth? Here, yeah, sorry. I missed I with I heard about tying up Emil Deer because she's gonna be taking the girls 
up north, right? And so we can include that in a montage, right? Um, right. And, and they're showing of, up. Yeah. As part of the montage, they're, they're laying flowers on Andreth's on grave. Mm-hmm. Andreth's grave before they leave. Right. So or, Andreth or even dies maybe, right after the last time we dies see like, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andreth, Andreth might even perhaps deserve, like, uh, to be seen on her beer, actually, uh, in our montage, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with, uh, uh, Vibe's question here, though. Um, how are we passing Narsil? Love the idea of ML Deer wielding Narsil. Yeah. Um, or mm-hmm. not wielding, but, um, having, having Narsil, I mean, right? P- I presumably she could wield it. If she's yeah, wearing yeah. it, no, I'm sorry, but, we're not gonna we're not gonna have an action sequence for her. But there's, there's an a issue problem, here. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what's mm. the problem? Narsil is supposed to end up in Barethel, right? And so Emeldir, yeah. if Emeldir's headed off to Dorlomen, yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it. She'd have we to. We don't want to take somebody. Narsil to Dorlomen right now. I right. don't think. Right. Um, because the idea was that we were going to have it in Brethel for the turn turn bar story, so that when he has the opportunity to go grab a sword. He does not. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about Narsil. that moment. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hang on, hang on. So no problem. Um, so first of all, I like MLD or having it just because it helps to establish. We don't have much time to establish MLD's character, right? Right. We're taking a little bit more time than the printed text does, which gets her one sentence, right, or half a sentence, a clause, right? Um, but. We still don't have much uh, to be able to show of her. Having her with Narsil strapped on her hip says a lot non-verbally, which I like and fits. Um, So I really, really like that. So here's what if during in the context of her conversation with Baron at his bedside, right, (laughs) when they're talking about mortality, she wants to give Narsil to him. Right. Right. she bored away, but he's the leader of their people now and he should have it and he should be. And he refuses it both because stump and because, and also because he will have this, like, this is not, that's not his role, right? He knows like, this is not, that's not what he's going to be doing. And so he could at that point then say like, the, 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 there could be an indication of its future distribution, you know, uh, uh, di- disposition. She, you know, or, who gets it? Who does get it? somebody in Brethel, right? Um, so does it go pass to the house of Hal- of uh, Haleth at that point? Mm. Presumably. Um, okay. Do we have anybody? I because mean, the part of the problem is that the I think the the people who would have been in charge of the Haladin in Brethel, I think, got killed when Hurin and Huor. Uh, disappeared, if I recall correctly, I could be remembering that wrong. Because um, I was thinking that would be that would be a way to handle is have um, I think it's Haldir. Um, or oh, Haldir. yeah, Not yeah. Hal- so I mean, there, yeah, Haldir. I think it is. There's a part. Of, someone in the Haladin is around because he's going to die in the near night. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he's the double wedding guy. Right. The double wedding guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So. And the only problem, Nick, that you're anticipating there is that that's the the most logical guy to give it to on the one hand, but it's also exactly the guy we don't want to give it to because he's going to 
die in a way which would not yeah, be conducive well, that's, with yeah, that's a, on, right? <laughs> yeah because it's going to be right. like not a lot of stuff is going to be brought safely away from the battlefield of the near night i imagine yeah. um yeah so it would have to be somebody who survived right, right. um or ml deer could just leave it on andreth grave when she walks away and because she's deciding that now she's mom to rian and i mean i don't know if that's the messaging we want there um <clears throat> Uh, but it's hard because we 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 have to we do have to kind of solve this like to project. We I mean we know it needs to be there, but that's only so much help, right? Um, we need a little bit more, like because I don't think we yet want there. I mean, a day may come when someone is taking Narsil out of a dusty closet. Right. Right. Um, but I don't think that's yet. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so until that day comes, which would be after the near knife. Right. Um, at best. Uh, um, we at, don't earliest, necess- We don't need to send Emildir to Dorlama. Right. Emildir could stay in Brethel and therefore Narsal stays in Brethel. But we don't have and any other we just, adults we, to chaperone the girls, do we? I mean, we, we need, can just pack off the right, girls. We, we? We, yeah. Right. Like, we do need She's to She's the logical them. person to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and what's so more, that's by the way, why... I like, like, it's like, Emil Deer's job is to, like, guide refugees, right? That's, like, her narrative job. And, and I kind of like the idea of her almost sort of reversing it, right? On the one hand, she leads the refugees fleeing out of Dorth, out of Dorthonian, and that seems like a sort of an emergency situation. But for her to kind of take on... I mean, th- there's this implication without spending any time or any dialogue on it, this implication of her really stepping into a leadership position. Um, the, the Her wearing Narsil non-verbally shows that, right? But then showing that, like she is taking responsibility for the next generation and she's conveying the girls up to, um, you know, if we are showing her as the bridge, right, between this generation and the next generation, that seems to me a really good role for her. So I think I think we definitely want that. But, uh, um, okay, who's available? Who's around? Who's ruling Brethel these days? All right. So, Somebody whose name starts with Hal. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Okay. So exactly. the Lord of Dorlaman is Galdor, right? His, Galdor. Yes. His brother died in the Dagger Bragalock, and his two teenage sons just disappeared not too long ago and maybe spent a year in Gondolin. Right about now ish. Hmm. Okay. Hang um, on. Could we? Can, can, can we? All right, hang on. Can so, we push that back? Can we push so that back? So Galdor is around and alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So now here's here, here here's the thing. What if? What if? Hurin has it. What if ML dear? Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I, I I know we 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 got a little temporal shifting. But but hang on, hang on. What if ML Deer conveys the girls wearing Narsil, right? She brings Narsil and the girls up to Dorlomen, right? And she presents all three, 
basically, at the court, right? Hurin ends up with the sword, right? Brings it to Brethil, where he goes, right? Loses it, like it's it's it gets lost when he is attacked by the orcs, right? So he's carried off to Gondolin without it, right? So it ends up in Brethil again, and that's the point at which it, like, <coughs> falls kind of out of, or, you know, ceases to become a sort of a centerpiece. Okay. Right? So what you're so, saying is that when all hope is lost, Turin rejects his father's sword. See, I, yes. I mean, come on, like, are you, wait, wait, hang on. Are you trying to argue that Turin wouldn't do that? (laughs) Come on, come on. Like, like, you know, I I have this opportunity. I have this opportunity to take up the, and I'm going to, and he turns away from the sword that was his father's and therefore steers away. Come on, that's a, that is Turin to a T, right? Um, Yeah, so about the timeline again. So the reason the boys end up in Gondolin is because they're living in Brethel. They're being raised there because, of course, their um, mother is from there. And uh, so is their uncle, who is the presumed lord of the Haladin at this point, depending on who's dead. Um, So So wait, don't we want to leave the girls there then? (laughs) No, because they're too too young. Okay, so... They're too young, yeah. Okay, Okay. we could leave the girls there. You're right, you're right. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay. Hurin and Huor are like 16 and 13 when they are in Gondolin, right? Right. So any wielding of swords and marrying of girls is going to happen after this Afterwards. Well, the, the... Marrying of girls, I concede. The wielding of swords, I qu- would still quibble with, as at least as a possibility. Uh, but in any yeah. case, okay. But yeah. but all right. So yeah, sixteen thirteen, right? I'm okay. with you. Yeah. So then they come back and they come they're back. reunited with their father. Yes. So that puts them back in Dorlomit. Yes. So now, as young men, they're probably in Dorlomit. However, there's nothing to prevent them from visiting Brethel and meeting girls and marrying them in Brethel. Like, as long as we marry them off to the right people, it's okay. And they were raised in Brethel. So I'm not super upset about leaving Rhiannon more with And there. the age thing, like, it's, um, I wouldn't cry bitter tears if they were a little bit older when they got to Gondolin, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so as far as, like, their ages, it doesn't matter how old Huor is, because he dies young anyway. So, like, we can kill him off at any time, as far as age is concerned. Right. Um, so we don't have to, like, again, the risk of making them older is that they're going to be too old when they get to later on. Right? But again, it doesn't matter how old Hurin is because he dies young. So um, so he's irrelevant age-wise. Hurin, more relevant, obviously. Yeah, the whole wanderings of Hurin thing. Yeah, but see, the thing is, Hurin's, Hurin's career is in two halves, right? You have, like, young hero Hurin, Right culminating at the fence of Serac, and then you have long period of horrible misery, and mm. then you have wanderings of Hurin, but wanderings of aged Hurin, right? Yeah. So you've got miserable old man Hurin and heroic young man Hurin, and long gap in between. So as long as we don't put squeeze in so many extra years in the first portion that he is implausibly old... At the end, he doesn't actually have to accomplish physically. He's got to be able to wander, right? So we got to worry about him breaking his hips, Nick. But uh, but apart from that, right? As he does have to kill Meme. Older, as long as but, he's not older than seventy, it's fine. 
Exactly. He's fine. Besides, he's Hurin, right? Come on. If Hurin can't be heroic at age 70, who can? Right. right. Um, um, uh, um, yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, so he... How long is he sitting in the chair? D- decade or two? A couple decades at most? Turin is not old when he dies, right? You know, Turin... No. Turin dies pretty young. Um, yeah. So we're looking at maybe 10, 15 years in the chair. Yeah. So he's fine. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We've got all kinds of time with Hurin. He's right? like, he, th- when he walks off into the sea, like, he, they, he's still being described as the mightiest, the mightiest who ever human, yeah, lived. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> right. But again, he could be 50 at that point. Right. And we'd still have time. Right. Because we'd say, because he only has to sit in the chair for like 15 years. He doesn't wander around for ages. Right. I mean, he could wander around for a matter of what, like a year. Right. Uh, from his release until his death, potentially. Um, or more. But not, not, I'm, I'm saying it's not decades. Right. It's not decades that he's wandering around. Right. It's a small amount of time. So let's, let's, let's for argument's sake, let's call him 50 when he's released. Right. Um, though he's described as an old man leaning on a staff, too. Uh, Nick, so like, I kind of think that mightiest warrior thing is kind of a retrospective. On, yeah, no, I, I know, I and agree, I know it's not the years; it's the mileage, right? Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> with Urin, right? Yes. I get that. Uh, but anyway, so but again, hey, for, I I would just say that he may not be as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. So uh, he's, but again, even if we say fifty, which seems like the youngest, I think we would want him. When he's released, right? But, but but even if we put him there, right? Um, then that means he's like thirty-five ish at the Vens of Serech, something like that, right? Thirty, thirty-five. Um, and so, and honestly, we don't have that much to do with him between Gondolin. I mean, there's some to do with him, but not that much to do between Gondolin and the Fens of Serech, right? Between Gondolin and the Near Knife. Um, I love right. watching Marie do math. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the Near Knife is 472, and the Dyer Bragalak was 455. And where we are in the Baron and Lizian story is going to be roughly around 462 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, about 10 years. We're about 10 years pre Near Knife at this right. point in the story that we're talking cool. about, like the episode 11 time. Then I say we can make a marriageable age. Also, by the way, I think that it would give more weight to his conversation with Turin and Gondolin when we get there in in season seven, right? Because you have to admit, if some punk 16-year-old is saying like, ah, oh, but time is slipping away. You have to understand mortal life. Like, we need to seize the opportunities we have and be like, dude, you are 16, right? You've got time. Chill out, right? Um, now, again, it's not saying that it's irrelevant at that point, but, but see, like having them be too young at that point, I think robs that of a little bit of its, of its force, right? If you've got like a 25-year-old Hurin making that speech to, to Turgan, right? He's like, dude, like, I am ready, like right now. I need to be out there doing things. Right. My, you know, my warrior biological clock is ticking. Right. I'm only going to be the the mightiest warrior in Middle Earth for, you know, maybe another decade and a half at most. Right. Uh, so you got to let me go. Right. I'm in my prime right now. Right. Like that. That has a has much more weight, I think, than again, like imagining 13 year old who are trying to make that argument. Right. You know, 
come on, like you could, you could, he could still be out out to pasture for another ten years and still be fine. But anyway, anyway, do, do you see what I mean? I think that not only could we not lose, I think we might gain actually by aging them a bit um, here. Okay, so hang on. Does that mean I'm talking? I think because it sounds like. I did not plan this, but it sounds like I'm talking myself into having Hurin. I mean, do we have to have Hurin and Hur there in episode 11? It, you're about to tell me we do. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm afraid and of. And we're about to find out that we, we, we don't have Emildir leaving the grave of Andreth to take Rian and Morwen. Because why are they leaving? Their husbands are there in Breville, right? <laughs> we're creating a long-distance relationship, right? And we're not... Oh, man. Um... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Rethinking some of this. Now, I don't love the... I, I don't want to introduce Hurin's care. I want to save Hurin okay. for season seven. Well, you if know, you don't but... want Hurin in Brethel right now, there's a really easy way to make him be not there. He can be in Gondolin. True, true. Oh, yeah, you just... We had these guys from the north, these, uh, you know, yeah. these strapping young lads from the north. Uh, we don't know where they are right now, but... Uh, right, yeah. so we can mention that they're missing at some right. point in the brothel thing and just kind of toss that out there and then next season we'll answer all that right the right. other and thing is that, that means what, that when what a convenient eagles, teaser right when to set that e- up when the eagles fly over gondolin uh-huh, uh, they right, can be yeah. in that right, scene and right, we don't right. know who they are we won't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying the reason. Was he about this high? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I saw that guy <laughs> down there. Yeah, yeah. I know just where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I got it. By the way, David Michael Roberts on yeah. Twitch is saying that this feels like the deja vu of the of the nature of Middle Earth, getting all the ages and marriages uh, to work out. And can I just say, yeah, actually, like the the nature of Middle Earth is shows you what it looked like for Tolkien to try to convert the Silmarillion from the like big picture historical overview narrative that it is into the kind of narrative that we're doing here in film film. I'm not trying to say that Tolkien is following in our footsteps, but I'm saying we're doing like that. That's exactly what this project is. That's exactly that kind of adaptation. Tolkien was doing that kind of adaptation to his own text. That's why he did all that math. Um, uh, that's exactly what happens when you, when you do that. But, um, Okay. So uh, yeah. the girls are going to be too young to get married at this point. Because um, they right. were little girls when they left Dorthonian, and this is only seven years later. So they might be like young teens or something, but they're right. too young. So Hurin and Hur can be off lost in Gondolin. Yep. And when they come back, they're going to marry them. Yes. And that's but hang just. On. Right. So now everyone stays in Brethel. Now everyone's in Brethel. But hang on. Mm-hmm. No, wait, 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 wait. Man, boy, we're, you'd think that, like, Morwen and Hurin were star-crossed lovers, all the difficulties we're having here. But, okay, all right, all right. So, Hurin and Hur will have met Morwen and Rian. But Morwen and Rian are young. Now, now they're not, like, five. They're, like, 12, 13 Now, now ish. they're 12, 13-ish. Now, now, yeah. yeah. Like, in episode 11. When we see them yeah. in episode 11, but they'll be both, they'll be tweens, right? Both the, the sisters and the brother... Wait, the cousin. Well, yeah. Both the cousins, the girls, and the brothers, and the, brothers <laughs> the boys, were growing up in Brethel as children. So they right. did know each other they as children. They did know each other as children. But no one, but, like, had paired them off yet. Right. And But now Huron and Huron are gone. 
Uh-huh. And they're not coming back because when they come back, they're going to Dorloman. Like they're they're do, they're they're gonna get shipped to Dorloman uh-huh. from Gondolin. So we do, in fact, need to get the girls up there, but not yet. Or not? Wouldn't it be convenient if Emmeldeer were to take them up? But why would she do that? Because she doesn't know that the boys are going to go there. Like, right. So the reason would have to be that the refugee community in Dorthonian, from Dorthonian, has been too big to be supported yeah. by Brethel. Like the, the forest right. of Brethel was very welcoming at first right. and was like, cool, you guys yeah. can come and stay here. But now there's too many of them. And it's like, okay, but could you maybe go find your own place to be that's not here? Right. And Dorloman is open and empty land so and so ml dear leaves maybe the they've refugees been, out again right maybe they've been invited to move to dorloman and yes. the people of brothel are like thank you please leave now it's been seven years yeah yeah great okay so they go out we're gonna have to and, start charging your rent and right. again we've killed off andreth who was too old for travel apparently before the departure kind of like uh adonel was like have fun in ladras you guys i'm staying right in, right, in, right. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, good. Now this works. And then, um, so when so the only in, problem we have we left is the original is problem we started with, <laughs> which is Narsil. <laughs> exactly. So okay, okay, no problem. It all works perfectly. Okay. Um, wait, wait. Before okay, we get yeah. to, where is everybody, and where are they going, and what are they doing? Can oh, we, it's no problem. We, do, it's real okay. simple. Okay, All right. it's 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 this is this is just as simple as pie. So, um, Hurin and Huor have been growing up in Brethel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deer and the refugees of Dorthonian arrive in Brethel, right? At that point, so they they've known each other, but for a few years, for like seven years, right? Which in child years is like forever. So, yeah. uh, so the 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 girls and the boys who will be the future double wedding. Are, are have have met each other, have known each other, have grown up together here in Brethel, right? Hurin and Huor vanish. They're in Gondolin, right? Before we see them in episode Correct. eleven, okay. They're gone already. They're already okay. gone. The Marleys were dead to begin with. Got it. That's it. Then episode eleven happens. This is the moment now when episode eleven happens. Hurin and Huor in Gondolin, girls with ML Deer still hanging hanging out with the as yet alive Andreth in. Brethel, right? Mm-hmm. Baron and Luthien show up. We have our episode 11 moment, right? Okay. Baron and Luthien go to Doriath. Emildir leads the refugees out of Brethel because they don't want to pay rent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Too crowded in Brethel. So they're going to go to Dor Loman. Besides which, Emildir is feeling very, especially after meeting with Baron and hearing about the death of Bar here, she had suspected he was dead, but now she knows for sure. And so she's like, I have to lead my people now and um, dog on it. We're not going to join because it's not even just about the rent, right? She's like, we're not going to join the isolationist crew. We're going <clears> to <throat> join the let's stick it to Morgoth crew, right? Yeah. And go up and join Fingen and um, and uh, 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 Galdor up there uh, in the north. So she leads her people, including the girls, right? So the two girls and ML Deer end up in the north, uh, and they're there. And then later on, right, the two boys show up by eagle up there, and everyone's reunited yeah. up in Dorloman. <clears throat> and then double wedding, uh, children ensue, and yeah, the like end. The end. Now, 
then near Nith and everybody dies. Uh, So um, the only problem remaining is Narsil, which is where we started in this whole thing. Because I still think there's, I can't see Emildir leaving it behind. I just can't. So I feel like we need another way Mm -hmm. to get it around. And when exactly do we next need it? I'm I'm, I'm fuzzy on this. I I need, I need reminding about the, we don't need it, but we what we it. had originally decided was that it would be sitting in an armory in Brethel, and Turin would have a chance to go grab a sword, and there's Narsal, and there's Gerthang, and he grabs Gerthang and walks out. So the idea being that we see Narsal there as a might-have-been for Turin, even if, it's, like, even if it's in the moment he's about to go kill Glarung. You know, so it would be a significant moment, but right. Narsal's just sitting there collecting dust. It's not doing anything. No one's using it. At that point, Brander the Lame is leading the Haladine, so he's probably not doing a lot of sword stuff. Uh, except for when he is. He except for kill. when he is. He yeah. does He does kill, what's his name? Dorlas. Maybe, right. may, may, I don't know if that happens with Narsal. Um, probably not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't want to do that with Narsal. Yeah, oh, Jedi. Yeah, it is Balak who chooses. So, but but that's earlier on. We're talking about we're talking about later on when yeah. Turin takes up the sword again at the end of the Turin story. Yeah, yeah, because like the the reason Gerthang is even there is because Turin brought it there. Turin, with Turin him. brought it with him, right? From, yeah. From so it was Turin's exactly. sword, but he has a choice now. He he could swap Remember, it. He, for he has set a it less aside. Cursed, yeah, he right. could pick up a less cursed sword right, right. now. Yeah, I, I I mean, I really I I I love the dramatic potential of this moment, right? And I'm just saying, if his father had wielded Narsal, it would make it even cooler. I'm just saying, but um, but I don't know how to get it back there. If uh, um, it was all working for me until we actually applied chronology, and then it ceased to <laughs> it ceased to work. But um, uh, okay, because well, if if it if it winds up in Dorloman. It almost certainly ends up in Hurin's hands, right? Like, how would it not? Yeah, how would it not? <clears throat> or, yeah. or who are you know? Like, it, right. come on. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, that would be the only logical place for it to go from our it's point just of view. But that, then, yeah, but then it ends up in the hill of the slain after the near knife. <laughs> right, unless right. exactly unless someone from the Haladin gets hold of it and and retreats back to to breath a little bit. In which case we have to introduce like a whole story to show that. But okay, right. so yeah, hang on a second. Yeah. So bracketing the, the our Turin idea for Narsil for a moment. Right? Um, and okay, bra- looking further down the road. Right? So we know that <coughs> it's Elros is going to end up bringing it with him to Numenor as his second best sword, right? Um, yeah, yeah. No? That was what we talked about. Yes. <laughs> I guess it's, it's Elros's backup sword. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. The whole point was we said we need to get it to Numenor. Oh, it's the sword of faith. The faithful. The fa- right. Okay, now I'm remembering exactly. the sword of the faithful discussion. Right. It yeah. doesn't need to be Elros's sword. It doesn't have it to go to Elros. Needs- it, yeah. it needs to get to Samarian's line eventually. Yes. The, the so if it's oh, recovered, oh, that's this. we talked about it being given to uh, to what's his face. To, so um, if it's recovered from Eldarian, the hill of yeah. the slain by people after the war of wrath. No, wait, but we 
Well, I mean, yeah. It could but then be. it won't be there for turn to have. I know, I know, I know. We're bracketing for it. I was, yeah, bracketing. Yes. I'm working backwards from they, the other end. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm uh, here now. I'm okay, good. Good. Right. So it needs to, I, I agree, it needs to end up in the line of Silmarion. Um, we can give it to Alderion as it can become the Sword of the Faithful. I'm remembering the Sword of the Faithful now. I'm loving that. I'm, I'm, I'm loving again that idea as if it is hitting me for the first time. And then, um, but who gives it? Did we say who gives it? <laughs> Brian is yelling at us for never writing anything down. Look, I'm a podcaster. I don't do that. I just talk, right? And then it's out there somewhere. Um, uh, and, and I mostly just assume I'll remember everything. This is right. why when we do the script discussions, I have Marie write all the <laughs> right notes yeah, live exactly. on screen. Exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, uh, okay. Now, hang on. So somebody's going to give it to Aldarion or similar, right? Um, to become it, the, the Sword of the Faithful. Yeah. It ends up in the line of the House of Adunai. So which, the Lords of Adunai. Which means Adunia, we need... Or however you pronounce that. And Dunia, yeah. We, we, yeah we, we need to get it to Gilgalad, essentially, right? Right, yeah. Or similar, right? Right. So it has to... So, so Gilgalad can hand up. it off. Yeah. to somebody who's involved in all that or yeah. at any point it can end up in Numenor in that house but we decided it was not getting to Numenor via Elros yeah, because Elros that's right. already this has is all, this is all coming back to me love it love it love it okay okay that's great that's great um okay so fine um it just has to get to Gilgalad which means which means it only has to go through Nargothrond. It doesn't have to go through Brethil. We can even get it to Turin or give Turin his moment if it's in Nargothrond. I know that taking up the sword again, the setting it aside and taking it up again in Brethil for Turin is an attractive kind of moment. Um, but what if we were to connect it not with that with a, mo- with a moment with Neonor? Because with Neonor, the real it kind of distracts from it in some ways. Because in that moment, the taking up the sword to go fight Glaurung again, the question isn't really which sword. The question is, is he going to take up any weapon again, right? Um. So, um. Yeah. Anyway, anyway point is, what if it's in Argothrond? What if we make it a Finduilas subplot instead of a Neonor subplot with Turin? What if we get it to Nargothrond instead of Brethel? One reason this is very attractive is that we have more people in Nargothrond. We're running out of Brethel characters, right? I mean, like, we yeah. just, we don't have many Brethel characters. We're, we're pretty much, like, we, we've got, the like, the dry wasteland of Brethel characters until, you know, Haldir down the road, right? Mm. Um, so why don't we get it to Nargothrond instead? And you know who could bring it to Nargothrond? Who? Hurin! When? After it's destroyed? <laughs> no. no. Yes. Yes. He, he no, can that's not helpful. No. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. He can leave it stuck in meme. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> 
it's so no, perfect. we're not yeah. using oh, arson no, to kill yeah. me. No, oh, yeah. No, it's awesome. This, this, is the, this is the part where Marie would be typing in all caps. <laughs> just for yes. the record. But now that you've invited me onto the show, I can just say this to you directly. Come no. on. Come on. No, I know it's too late. It's it's, it's post-touring at that point anyway. But come on. That's... that's... <laughs> okay. okay. Yes. If Sorry. you want her to wield the sword at some point, it, it, the wanderings of her could be a time when he does that. So... Unless he, he finds can, it in Nar, in right, Nargathron. so he can retrieve it from Nargathron if we want to put it in Hern's hands. But then it winds up in the sea, and I don't the, think anybody wants he can that. Get it to Nargathron, uh, he can, well, before he goes to the sea, he can drop it off with Gilgalad in the Havens. I don't That's know. Right. He, he, he can. He doesn't have to go straight to the ocean, <laughs> right? Here, hold this for me. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, I mean, seriously, like, you know, you have a major artifact here, which is handed down, you know, this is a, this is an important thing, you know, you're getting like, let me offload this before I go walk into the ocean, right? I mean, it's, um, yeah, yeah, um, oh, boy, this is, so, it sounds like we're probably not going to solve the Narsal problem tonight. Are you suggesting we've wandered a little far afield from our initial discussion here? I just um, want to make sure we finished up the season tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah. That needs um, to happen. I think we're good. Okay. Right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, look, uh, there's... Um, I mean, you had me at Andreth, right? Any possible reservations I had about the new episode 11 plan uh, has been uh, triumphantly uh, and aggressively overcome <laughs> by uh, okay. by the opportunity for the sequel to the Athrobeth. So, okay. Um, All right. And as far yeah. as setting up Nernith stuff, we've obviously been talking a lot about setting up Hearn and Huar for next season. So this this isn't as off topic as it sounds. Exactly. No, we... Um, yeah, yeah. I, but to circle that back, what do we need to set up for next season? <laughs> Other okay. than the Narsal question. We need to set up Mythros's <clears throat> hope, right? His false hope. But, right. but the oh, reaction no. to <clears throat> Baron and Luthien yes. outside of them. And that can happen while they're in Mandos. Yes. Like people yeah. can be telling their story throughout the very end. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it can even be, though I could even imagine that being worked into a final scene in episode 13. Right, well, um, the Mithras reaction is the final. The, the Mithras reaction. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's just what I'm thinking. Um, uh, Mithras showing Mithras taking heart, um, but then we juxtapose that with maybe Sauron in the East with the Easterlings, right? In that final, um, you know, sort of scene collection there, montage or whatever. Um, uh yeah yes yeah yes yeah okay um because yeah that yes hints of the ominous new plans and future betrayals to come are what we want to end with as far as portents of the yes uh, of the of the near knife. so juxtaposing Mithros's enthusiasm with Sauron's introduction to the house of uh, Oldor, I think would be good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I like it. I like it. So much potential. I'm so not going to be able to stop thinking about where Nar- how Narsil gets to where he's going. It's hard to keep track of swords like this. I mean, you know, Narsil, Narsil has it's a not, long... It's not used for anything important. That's, that's what makes it so that's hard. That's the important thing. That yes. was my, my vote was to not have somebody have it all the time. Just have it get lost to time for a little while. And then but... find. And then find again. Yeah. yeah. Stick yeah. it in collections of weapons that aren't being used. <clears throat> Or dwarves, but I hear you. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> again, it's not an evil cursed sword. I, I know, I know, it's not. It doesn't have to be anyway. an evil cursed just because it kills an evil cursing dude. But it's all good. It's all good. Um, anyway, you really <laughs> think meme wouldn't put a curse on the sword that ends his life? This is meme. Not if you stab him fast enough. <laughs> Mimetic meme. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember when we first read the Silmarillion together, and my two sons. Uh, immediately said, how is the House of Meme not a website? Like, obviously. (laughs) That needs to be like an app or a website or something. But anyway. um, uh, Yeah. Okay. No, it's it's fine. fine. I don't insist. I don't insist. I'm just, I'm just, I can't. Fine. It's good. Excellent. I think we've done fine work here. Um, And uh, and this will all begin. Then episode 12, we kill the wolf and everybody else. And then episode 13, uh, we start in Mandos, right? Because if we end episode 12 with the deaths, right? Yes. Um, Mm, Will we have Luthien die in 13 or in 12? Yeah, have her kind of like slowly decline. Yeah, if, 13, if at death, the beginning of 13. Yeah. If the death of Baron and Huan is like, oh my, we've killed people off, and she's like up, still upset about it. And then in 13, she dies of grief. It's like, wait, what? So I think, right. I think yeah. we want no. some distance between their deaths. Agreed. End of episode 12 is Terry for me. Right. That's the, mm-hmm. the final mm-hmm. scene. Right. Yeah. Um, she tells him to Terry for her, and then it, and then. Yeah, so, so people who don't know the story are going to be like, is she going to undertake some heroic quest? Which she is, but it's not going to look like it, right, at first. Right. Um, yeah, right. yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> like, I like that. Step one, die. Step one, die, exactly. Yes, <laughs> things are going just according to plan. Yes, right, that's it, that's it. Yeah, no, that's, um, uh, uh, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. And that works because that then places. So we do have to have like a Luthien dying scene, but we don't need much there before we get her to, to Mandos. So we can have Mandos in the first, you know, in the front half of the episode, which would still leave enough to do um, some low dialogue denouement at the end of episode 13. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, Dennis, it does cram a lot into 11. That was my concern, um, having to do the whole second, ha- you know, sequel to the Athrobeth, plus the reconciliation with Thingol, plus the wedding. We don't have well, to linger over the wedding too long, but... We don't have a lot of B-plot in episode 11, True. though. So it's True. it's it seems like a lot, but when you actually start... it, You can kind of tell, like, when there's only one plot line in an episode you wind up having to do a lot more things in that plot line versus right when you have three or four nesting dolls of plot that you gotta work out true true 
True. And in a, I mean, in a sense, we do, we don't have like simultaneous A and B plots there, but we do have like the Athrobeth plot and then the Thingol plot. So it is going to be a divided episode in that way, right? But you know, th- those can be kind of connected. One uh, other question to each other. Yeah. Um, Glarung is going to destroy Darthonian at the end of the season here. Oh yeah. And originally, I think we had it slated for episode twelve which is now the hunt for the wolf. So is that still where we want that to fall? Can we, can we put it into the final sequence? Or can we put that in 13? I mean, it, you know, Glaurung makes Taranufuin is is a a kind of an ominous, more destruction to come kind of moment. Yeah. And, and we can, we can, um, if we don't have the Sauron, comes upon Rivel's well thing, then it's fine because he can be out in uh, out out east and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Poor Sauron, completely out of lieutenants now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get new ones. Yeah, Yeah, it's almost like he'll have to start a new phase of his career. Really is. Really is. This is uh, this is a turning point in his career. Episode 7, no question. Um... Okay. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Love it. <laughs> I think we answered all the questions. Except, <laughs> Except for that one. But that's okay. Um, we have some time to work all that we out. We have some time to work on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, I promise you, we, we will not wind up painting it into a corner on Narsil. We can do well, some no. crazy things with it and still get it to where it needs to be. We can do almost literally anything with Narsil and we haven't betrayed its endgame because it's one of the few people who survives the first stage anywhere it goes as long as someone hands it to Gilgalad at some point we're good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, It doesn't um, there is no critical path to get it it to Gilgalad. It's because we wanted it to be in Brethel for Turin or in Nargothron now for Turin but we wanted it in the Turin story somewhere. That's, it I, could that just was the not... only constraint, and that was that's why I wanted to bracket that and work back from the other end just to make sure because it is really yeah. that constraint which we've laid on ourselves is the only issue. But that's fine. Mm. We can um, we can we can we can figure that out. We'll have time. Season seven is time enough to think mm. about the okay. final disposition so, so of Narsa. As of right now, um, right. So Emildir is taking the refugees to yes, Dorlan. Yes. And she is taking Narsil with her. Yes. Uh, yes. So we Agreed. know where Narsil is right now. We just have to yes. figure out. We do. Path. We yes. do. All okay. we have to do is get it out of Dorloman somehow. Yes. I think once we get it out of Dorloman, it's easy. Yeah, it's just no. going to be getting it out of Dorloman without it ending up in the hill of the slain. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say there's an easy way to get it out of Dorloman. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Give it to who? <laughs> yeah, no, there's a simple one-way road out of Dorloman. I mean, that's not hard. Uh, several. But, um, um, Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, I'm stopping. I was just going to brainstorm. I'm, I'm not, I'm done with brainstorming Narsal ideas because it's late. So thank you everybody for joining us this evening as we have, uh, it's, uh, Nick is not yet, uh, completely asleep. So we're still good. Thanks. This has been a, 
<laughs> really fun episode. And I think we have it. I think we have the shape of the season now. Really excited about that. Um, we even answered some of the other questions like Dior. I don't think we need him yet. Let's 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 wait on Dior. Maybe we have fetus Dior. Maybe not. But in any case, we don't like pregnant. I'm t- you know remember the pregnancy idea. But anyway, so anyway, wait. Who knows? Um, but we don't. We we don't, we we definitely don't don't need him yet. His, his job is not for a while. Um, so uh, we can we can we can postpone Dior. Um, and uh, we answered all the other questions. How do we foreshadow the near knife? How do we wrap up the season? We know almost everything except how to get Narso out of uh, Dor Loman, and for this season, we don't care. So next time, we will be discussing um, the frame story. Um, and we've kind of had our minds made up about the frame story uh, for the last, like, eight years or however long it's been. So um, uh, we're going to see what we can do. So we're gonna, next time, we're going to uh, sit down and try to hash out the frame story for uh, season six, which will be great fun. Uh, This is scheduled to happen on Thursday, June 2nd in two weeks time at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks very much. Thanks guys. This was a really, this was, this was a fun spirited discussion uh, here this evening. Uh, As always, good times. Uh, Thanks everybody. And I will say as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.